Good evening to you all. It's a nice and wonderful privilege to be here again. I love to preach to people that appreciate God's word. And um, <laughs> might sound funny talking to a church like that, but it's not all the churches who are like that. They love miracles and this fancy thing and that fancy thing. And I believe in miracles, but uh, it's a word that we hold on to. You can't live in miracles, but you can live in the word. So let's read from Philippians chapter 3. From verse 3. But let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us by your spirit, that you're speaking to me, that you're speaking to each and everyone here, that you're guiding us, that you're opening up your word to us because you want to change us. Yes, Father God, we know your desire is to change us into the likeness of Jesus. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, move in us so that he can move in that direction. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 from verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And this is what I want you to take note of five times. See if you can see it five times. It just comes in different words, but it's the same thing that we're talking about here. Put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I had counted as loss. What did he count as loss? The confidence in the flesh. For the sake of Christ Jesus. Indeed, I count everything. What is everything? The confidence in the flesh as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For, he, this, for his sake, I suffered the loss of all things. What are all things? Oh, good. You're starting to get it. That's right. And count them as rubbish. And we know rubbish is just a nice translation, but there's a, it, in the Greek it's much stronger than that. Something that doesn't smell so nice. And then we go to verse 9. So he did all that in order that I may gain Christ. Which means the confidence in the flesh hinders him to get to Christ. That's the logic that tells me that. And verse 9, And be found in him not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith. So what is the righteousness of his own? It's the confidence in the flesh. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now we come to the verses for tonight. Verse 10 and 11 that I may know him. So that's the first thing we're going to look at. Paul says he wants to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. We're going to look at the power of the resurrection and may share his sufferings. We want to see how he shares in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Right. Paul says he wants to know Christ. 
if you get to know somebody that you like, you would like to trust that person, isn't it? So you've already decided, I trust this person. Now I want to get to know him. That's what happened to Paul. He trusts Jesus. Which means what? If you trust Jesus, you believe what he says. You believe everything he says. So when I talk about everything he says, I'm not just talking about what he says to me in my quiet time or when I go on some mountaintop and pray. I believe what Jesus says in the scriptures. I believe the scriptures. And when he says that Christ in you, the hope of glory, I believe, I don't understand it, but I believe Christ is in me, the hope of glory. I believe that. When he says, the good work he started in me, he will continue until it's completed. I believe that. I believe right now he's working in me and he's working in you. Right now. I can't see it. I don't feel it. But I believe it. And because I believe it, I believe that he's changing me from one degree of glory to the next. That's from 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians 3.18. The other one was Philippians 1.6. He, he, he's in me, he's, he's doing a work in me, he's changing me. Paul believed that. Because Paul believed that, he wanted to get more about this wonderful Jesus that he met 30 years ago, more or less, for which he spent about 14 years in a desert, apparently which he somehow God took him up to heaven and had a visit there. But it wasn't good enough. He wants to know more. He wants to experience more. And you know the word in, 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 in the Hebrew about know, just like when they say Adam knew Eve, he didn't say, hi Eve. It's not like that. He got to know her intimately. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him so well that I feel I know everything about him. Is that your desire? I encourage you to make that your desire. Because why? It's in Christ that we find joy. It's in Christ that we find peace. It's in knowing Christ and communicating with him and spending time with him that's the only place where we find peace. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. That's what we're looking for. So we see that Paul, that, this, that Paul believes the Scriptures. And because he believes the Scriptures, he says, I want to know him. So how do we get to know him? We get to know him when we get convicted, when we don't behave in the way that Jesus is like. It, it doesn't fit with Jesus. That means sin. And when we get convicted of our sin, then the best thing to do is to repent. Which means, you say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. That's it. You don't have to cry. You don't have to fall on your knees. You don't have to reject yourself for weeks. That's not part of it. When you're still in that process, I want to tell you, you must get over me. That me inside you. That me that says, oh, I'm a failure. Get over it. Because that is fleshly. That is confidence in the flesh. When you try and be good, don't try and be good. That is putting confidence that you make some rules that you want to live up to so you can say that you're good, so you can feel good about yourself, so you don't feel guilty. No, Jesus is not part of that process at all. No, what we do is 
you spend time with Jesus. And as you spend time with Jesus and you repent whenever you get convicted, you're getting changed into his likeness. There must be a greater desire in your heart to spend time with Jesus than to be good. Because this is what's going to happen. Before you all misunderstand me, this is going to happen. Every time you repent, you're becoming more like Jesus. Every time you repent, you grow. If you haven't repented this week at all about anything, I want to give you some bad news. You didn't grow. It's the only way to grow. You see, we are born with a sinful nature. And because even that we save, we still got the effect in your mind about the sinful nature. And you have to get rid of those sinful, habitual thoughts and habits. And the way to get rid of that is to repent. There's no other way. You can know the Bible backwards, just like the Pharisees did. It doesn't help. Well, it helps a bit, but it doesn't help you to grow. It only helps you to grow if you repent. But it's good to read your Bible. Because the more you read your Bible, the more you know what Jesus is like. And the more you read your Bible, the easier it is for you to be convicted of your sin. Now, when I talk about sin, people normally look like you do right now. Not very excited. Especially when I say to you, you have to repent. No. You're not too keen on that. I want to <laughs> encourage you to change your view of repentance. It's not failure. It's moving forward. It's not failure. You see? <laughs> Just think of this. If you're an athlete and you run in a 100-meter sprint, but your style is totally terrible, and you get a coach that teaches you exactly how to run properly, what would you say? Would you feel that feel terrible whenever it tells you how to improve your style? Surely not. That's all that the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of how to change. That's all. How to become like Jesus. So, so the question you must ask yourself tonight, do I want to become like Jesus? If you say yes, then the next thing you say, please show me how. Please show me how. And I will get to know how by reading the scriptures and getting changed every time I repent. That's how it works. I must know him, Paul says. How well do you know Jesus? There are things in this world that really hinders us to know him. Because why? There are things in this world where we've been trying to find life out of those things instead of life out of my relationship with Jesus. It can be completely different if you just change the way you think. You see, this is the problem. There's one thing that hinders us to become like Jesus. There are many things, but it's one main thing. And that is me. Do you know me? All the me's here. That me says, life is given to me, and I must find the most comfortable way to live in this life. That's why I will say sometimes, I don't need this. Eh? We do say that sometimes. You're totally wrong. You need that more than anything else in your life. You would say now, why? 
I don't like to be uncomfortable. You see, Paul sitting in prison. He's not concerned about his circumstances. He's focused upon Jesus. He's focused upon his future reward. He's, th he's thinking of, how can I live this life so that my future reward, he talks about it later on, ex anastasis he wants to give a super re resurrection. He wants to get a, such a resurrection that he can and find his great reward. That's what he's looking at. He's not looking for a comfortable life. He's not concerned about the most unpleasant circumstances in his life. He's not concerned about that. Let the Lord Listen to the Lord when he speaks to you about these things. Like with me. He started to talk to me. What is more important in this life? A comfortable circumstances or a great reward in the life to come? What is more important? So as I paddle in a dirty river and I cut my toe and I have to go to casualties at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and I have to sit there for three hours and then eventually leave there with a few stitches. But as my, I've got a, a, one of my weaknesses in my sinful habits, I'm sure you don't struggle with that, but mine is impatience. Things must happen quickly. Especially when I drive in the car and it's 40 kilometer car in front of me in a 60 kilometer zone. What's wrong with that person? Haven't they got things to do? And the Lord started to convict me. What is more important? To get to my goal or to become like Jesus? in that situation. What is more important? This person in front, I can give him all kinds of names while I'm driving. He can't hear a thing anyway. But the Lord can. The Lord knows what's in my heart. The Lord knows what, what wicked thoughts I have in my mind towards a poor person just driving slowly in the road. And I realize that is the most important person in my life. I must please him. The meditation in my mind, the thoughts that go through my mind, the words that come out of my mouth must be pleasing to him. That's it. I think it's Psalm 19. When I click that, I realize I've got a long way to go. Especially with patience. So as I went to casualties and I sat there and, and they took so long and eventually when I got to the doctor and he asked me, how are you? And I said to him, I'm impatient. <laughs> At that moment, I didn't think it was anything wrong. You see, when I'm impatient, I'm, I don't say very kind things. Maybe you're different. But I don't say very kind things. In my body language, in my words, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, the fragrance of Christ coming, flowing from me. Definitely not. And just like you, I thought that's fine. It's normal. You see, because of the people's behavior, that's why I can behave like a unsaved individual. The Lord said to me, that is not the way that I responded on the cross when I was very uncomfortable. Father, forgive them. That's what he said. I want to become like Jesus. I have to follow Jesus. I have to apply God's word. That's what I'm trying to say. Have you got faith? Have you got faith in Jesus? Have you got faith in God's word? Then you have to apply it. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, when you go through the dark times in your life, it's not about your comfort circumstances. 
It's about applying God's word. That's how you build treasure in heaven. That's how you do it. That, I can guarantee you, when you start doing that, you've got a joyful heart. You've got a greater level of peace because you totally believe that God is in control. He's in control. I don't have to be in control. So, we ask again, do you know Jesus? That's what Paul is talking about. In the most unpleasant situations, he works out his salvation by applying God's word in faith. He, he felt he must go to Rome. He wanted to speak. That's what in his heart he felt that's what he must do. He had many warnings about how he's going to suffer. It didn't put him off. I must do what the Lord has called me to do. The Lord has called each and every one of us to love people. There's no doubt about that. The Lord has called each and every one of us to be kind to people. There's no doubt about that. So we don't have to get a special calling for that one. We just have to apply God's word. And what is the main thing I'm talking about here? You're applying the fact that he's in control. I live out his word right here. I live it out. I'm looking at the power of his resurrection. You see, his righteousness is inside you. Do you believe that God's righteousness is inside you? When you're saved, that's what happened to you. Now that righteousness inside you must get worked out. You know, I am more or less alone in my office most of the time. So I drink lots of coffee. And this is my system. I've got a place where I put the cups in and I put water in and I put soap in and then I put this chick in or bleach. And I just leave it there for a day or two. And amazing. After two days, I take it out and it's clean. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. You can't see it happening. But you throw yourself in the mercy of God. You believe that he's working inside you. And he's busy sanctifying you. He's busy cleaning you out on the inside. And it's not always comfortable when that happens. At the time. But that's the power that is working inside you. Just go along with what the Lord is doing in your life. Just go along. And part of it is, like I said again, when you get convicted, you repent. You know, when he, when he convicts us, you know what it is? A sign of grace. It's not a sign of rejection. It's not a sign of condemnation. He's busy changing you. The big um, dictators and the horrible people out there, they've got no clue that they're doing anything wrong. They actually believe they're doing it right. It's fine. They're happy. Because they please their flesh. Because we're saved, we don't want to please the flesh anymore. We want to please the Lord. So when he gets convicted, he helps us. He's not against us. He's for us. It's his love that shows how concerned he is about us and to change us so that we can become like Jesus. I know it will take maybe a few days to work that one out, but believe me, just apply that in your life. People tend to think that mainly about signs and wonders, that's the power. But what about the power like this? The power to overcome sin. That is lasting. You see, if you've got the power to perform a miracle, it's only for a short while. Even if you raise somebody from the dead, he's going to die again. 
So it might be wow now, but in a couple of years, wow is done. If you perform amazing miracle and you get money from nowhere all of a sudden at the time when you need it, it's wonderful. A couple of months down the road, you're going to need money again. You see? But if you get power to overcome your sinful habits, that is lasting reward. That's a lasting reward. If you get the power to witness, you change somebody's life forever. It's a lasting reward. You see, if you got the power to get to this place where the joy of the Lord is your strength, what does it mean? That you're continually aware that you, you get the same joy than the day when you got saved. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. You see, when you sin now, it's not like God looks at you and say, wow, I never thought he or she will do that, like he's shocked. It's not a surprise to him. He knew that you will sin before you sin. So why do we repent then? It's for our sake, to experience the freedom and to, to remind us again that Jesus died for for us. Jesus paid for this sin as well. And I accept this as well right now. And because I accept it right now, I don't have to feel so terrible for the next year about it. I believe that I'm forgiven. I've got the power to believe that I'm forgiven. I believe that although I've sinned, I confess my sin, I'm forgiven, and I experience a greater level of freedom in Christ. And I move forward. You see, when I say, when Paul says, you get to know Jesus, you must apply that. Do you talk to Jesus about everything? Do you talk to Jesus about your sin? Do you talk to Jesus about the things that you don't like what he's doing? You see, that's how you talk to someone that you really trust. If you talk to him about everything, everything. The other day, I came home and my wife made some nice pancakes. Because I'm a diabetic, I just put cheese in the pancakes and all the sugar. So I've got three nice pancakes and I put the cheese in and I roll them up nicely and I put them on the plate and I open the microwave. No, that was the thing. It's not load shedding. It's just power cut. Done. Load shedding is supposed to be tonight at 10 o'clock. Now 2 o'clock in the afternoon, dead. I said to the Lord Jesus, no, this is not fair. <laughs> I just needed 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Couldn't you wait just for 20 seconds? But then I said, okay, if you want me to have cold pancakes, I will have cold pancakes. But I will not allow my circumstances to steal my joy. My joy is the fact that I'm forgiven and I'm so aware of it. I can see so many people around me who hasn't got a clue what I'm talking about. They're completely blind. They, they, they haven't got, they can't have the joy that I have got in those circumstances. They can't. 
because they don't know my king. They haven't met him. They're blind. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I know you. You see, we, we must get to understand what it means to suffer for Christ. It doesn't mean that you have to go and China and get put in prison or something like that. It's just the way you respond right now. When you suffer, we let the flesh suffer. That desire that you want and you can't have it. There you sit in front of your laptop and all of a sudden, it's amazing, I don't know how it works, but things just go wrong all of a sudden. The thing, it worked for months. All of a sudden, this thing doesn't work anymore. And you restart and you restart and it still doesn't work. How are you going to respond? The way you respond will show how much you're willing to suffer for Jesus. When you're getting laid down by people around you, when people that you don't expect anything ever saying against you and they talk all kinds of nonsense about you, and you can't even understand where they get the information from, how do you respond? The way you respond will determine your level of change that's been taking place in your life already. How mature are you? How close are you to Jesus? How much have you become like Jesus already? You see, we mustn't just look at suffering in, against other people. It is suffering against the flesh. Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. I die to the flesh. I will not allow the flesh to take away the joy I have in the Lord. My circumstances will not affect my, my joy that I carry, my relationship with Jesus. I will not allow it to take place. So the resurrection power will include power to live triumph amidst suffering. You will live in triumph in the middle of suffering. Just imagine if you can get there. If they break into your car and then they come and try and attack you at that night because they, they in my car was a remote for the gate. And the next day they steal a water meter. And you think, goodness me, what else can go wrong here? Lord, you're in control. I don't know why all these things happen, but you're in control. Until he tells me a couple of days later. I want you to experience what the rest of the country experience every day. I want you to experience so that your heart can have become more compassionate to the people that you don't mix with often. That's exactly what happened. You see, you have to apply God's word in your daily life. Don't just like read the stuff and then it doesn't it's 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 a nice message or whatever. No. We must apply. We must apply these things. We must apply everything you read in Scripture. First of all, when you read the Scripture, you think of Jesus all the time, from Genesis to Revelation. You can even find in Job, I think it's chapter 10, reminds you of Jesus. When, when Job's talking about the mediator, I'm looking for a mediator. Who is he talking about? He's looking for someone to speak to him. To, to speak between him and God. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is helping us come to reveal to us God's heart. When you look back into your life, you'll find that the, the biggest, strongest time, strongest jump of spiritual growth will be the time when you suffered the most. 
That's what happened to Jesus. His greatest victory was what? Not when he was hanging on the cross. But when he was hanging on the cross and his father turned his face from him. He experienced rejection like you and I will never experience in our lives. For the first time, it was an absolute absence of God's presence in his life. Remember, he was a man. He experienced his father's presence all the time up to that moment. Spiritual suffering. He did for you and me. But that was his greatest victory as he was raised from the dead. I'm telling you now, your greatest suffering in your life will be the time when you grow the most. Stone, Peter was stoned and left for dead. Uh, not Peter, other guy, Paul. Paul, <laughs> Paul was stoned and left for dead. But he didn't allow that to affect his passion and his calling. He didn't allow that. He didn't say, oh no, this is getting a bit rough now. I'm out of this. No. He was stoned, left for dead, and then he got up and carried on and said, let's go to the next town. See, because why? He, he realized what is in it for him. Let's put it that way. He was looking for then already for his reward. Becoming like him in his death. Jesus suffered on the cross and then was vindicated in his resurrection. So was Paul. He was suffered all the time. But he was rewarded. Let's just look at resurrection from the dead. Paul uses this word is an unusual word because it's ex anastasis, which means in the Greek, you out of resurrection. You you higher than the resurrection. Now we must understand that everybody will be raised from the dead in the last day, even the unsaved. The unsaved get raised for judgment. The Christian gets saved, the follower of Jesus. The faithful follower of Jesus get raised to be rewarded. You'll find a reward. You find a reward, and we're looking for this reward under this category. Let's put it that way. Good and faithful servant. That's what we're looking for. You see, it's not everyone every Christian that will receive that reward. But only the faithful ones. We see that yeah, in, in a few verses. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. The things that you do for the Lord. And let's, let, let, let me just rephrase that. What are the things that you do for the Lord? I gave you many examples. It's how do you glorify God. You see, you don't need people to clap hands in order to achieve this thing of glorifying God. You just have to respond the way Jesus responded. That's all. Nobody sees it. God sees it. And if you do things for the Lord, and people don't appreciate it, and you're upset because you don't find the appreciation, you did not do it for the Lord. You did it for yourself, for your own glory. Even Christian work. You can do Christian work, let me tell you that for your own glory. No. 
Whatever we do, we do for the Lord. When you're there at work, whatever job you've got, you faithfully do that because you're serving other people. And, and as you serve other people, you do a good thing. And James tells us that every good and perfect thing comes from above. There where you work, you serve the Lord. Especially if it's in your heart to serve the Lord. Your labor will not be in vain. There will be a day when, when, when Jesus will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. It's another verse, in, also in 1, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, one star differs from another star in glory. So it is in the resurrection of the dead. What does it mean? The stars, those are the people that are in heaven. That reflecting the glory of God. And you and some will be closer to the Lord than others. Forever. It's not like, okay, I'll try better tomorrow. No. That is for eternity. Now is the time to work out how much of the glory of the Lord you reflect in that day. Now is the time. The more you get rid of me, the closer you get to Jesus. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you build your treasure in heaven. And the more you can be sure that he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. In Revelation 12 and 21, it talks about, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Not just what you say, it's how you believe. What is your testimony? How do you affect your environment? Do you do things for the Lord? When he lays things on your heart, do you do things for him? And many times we miss it. The Lord says, I want you to pray for this person. And then you get a bit busy and you forget about it. That's the opportunity missed. I want you to send a bit of an encouragement to this or that person. And I must still talk to him, I must still talk to her, I must still talk. And it's gone. It's opportunity missed. Now, you won't be sent to hell for that. That's not what I'm saying. But you do miss out on building your treasure in heaven. You see, building your treasure in heaven is not salvation. Building your treasure in heaven is what the Lord wants you to do in this life and what you do for him. Revelation 21 verse 7 says, And he who, over, who is overcoming shall inherit all things. It says, He is who is overcoming. Which means what? There are some who are not overcoming. You start moaning. This life is too terrible. It's fine to express, just like I did, my disappointment with the situation. You're not dead. When things go wrong, you say, no, I don't like that. But quickly move on to the next point. But Lord, if that's what you want me to do, is that what you want me to experience? I know there is something that you're doing inside my character right now under this very unpleasant situation. And I can't see it now. I probably won't even see it next week. But there will be a time when you can be like Joseph who said to his brothers, you, 21 years ago, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. That's what will happen if you trust the Lord. Trust Him. Increase your capacity in two directions. Increase your capacity, first of all, to hear His voice. That is the best prayer that you can pray for yourself. Lord, 
help me to become more sensitive to your spirit. And I want to say again, the more you read your Bible, the easier it is to become sensitive to his spirit. In most churches these days, when you say read your Bible, they think, oh, I've done it last month, kind of thing. Three or four verses. No, I want to say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Become more sensitive to his spirit. Focus on that. And then I want to say to you, Lord, help me to trust you more. Because in yourself, you're too weak. You're too full of yourself <laughs> to trust Jesus. You're so wrapped up in yourself. You're so wrapped up about your desires and your ideas and your things and your comforts. Comforts are very important to us human beings. Very important. I'm not saying you must go and sleep on nails now or something like that. But yeah in your mind. Change it. Let me become more aware of the will of God in my life so that I can trust him in the most difficult circumstances. You know, in James it says, just like in Paul's life, it's like that one thing go wrong at a time. It's, I don't know how it works. I always say, this is planned. Absolutely, this is planned. You can't, it's impossible that I can sit with this little screw and I want to have it in such a hurry, I want to screw this thing into this thing with my fingers and then it falls. And I can't find the thing. That's planned. How will I respond? How am I going to respond right there? That's the test. See, be aware that you're going to be tested. Just be aware that in this life, Jesus said that, you will have trouble. You will have trouble, guaranteed. It's not like speaking curses and all that nonsense. It's a fact. This is a fallen world. In this life, you'll have trouble. And the reason why you're having trouble is so that you can be tested, so that you can be changed in the likeness of Jesus. So I say again, don't be scared to get convicted and to repent. That, that whole concept in your mind of it's being, a, I failed. No, it's not. Change it. I'm moving forward. The more you repent, the more you grow. You're not a failure. You see, you must believe. Jesus, I say to people often, and then they were shocked. Jesus thinks I'm amazing. He does. Let me tell you something else. He also thinks that you are amazing. You tell yourself next time you look in the mirror and say, you, the Lord thinks you are awesome. He loves you so much. He loves you so much that he's going to change you even more and more. This concept that we must believe what the scripture says by faith is something that we struggle with. I am fully, 100%, safe in the hands of my shepherd. Doesn't matter what happens. I trust him. I want you to get there. For your sake. Fully, 100%. Doesn't matter what happens. You know, when you believe that, you know what's going to happen. You're going to find that you are, don't get so upset with all these people around you. All these people are not like you. You're not going to get so upset. You're going to be far more at peace. 
You're going to be relaxed because he's in control. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are weak. You are strong. We pray, Lord Jesus, increase our faith. Help us, stirring us, bring us closer to this place where we believe that you are in control. Even at the time where we're getting changed into the likeness, into your likeness, that we believe in the power of the resurrection inside us, that we can do mighty things, that we believe that we've got the power inside us to share in your sufferings, that your power will help us to go through every suffering that we can think of, that we can come our way, that we can become like you, just like when you died because of your obedience, that we will die because of our obedience. And that we will attain, that we will get to that place where we're sure in our hearts a reward is coming our way because we've been faithful in very difficult times. I pray, Lord, help us, each one of us, to repent quickly and easily so we can glorify your name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.